Welcome to the Kingdom Life San Antonio podcast. For more information about Kingdom Life San Antonio, check out KingdomLifeSA.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. So let's just welcome Richie one more time. Thanks, man. Love you, bro. Hey, love you, man. <laughs> so good. Wow. I love the new building. This is amazing. Anybody happy tonight? This has got to be the happiest place on planet Earth when we get to come together and we get to celebrate the almost too good to be true news, but it is true. Are you excited? Are you happy that you were once in darkness, but now you're in light? You were once lost, but now you're found. Anybody ever just sit there at night in your bed and just intentionally remember his grace in your life? I want to encourage you, if this is not a normal practice for you, put down your iPhone before you go to bed, cut it off, put it somewhere else in the kitchen, and make this your practice. As you go to sleep every night, just begin to remember the goodness and the grace of God until you fall asleep. Remember, just begin to meditate on the simple gospel. Remember the stories that Jesus told you in the Bible. What are the parables that he spoke? The parable of the superstar father, as Danny Silk would say, or the the parable of the prodigal son, as as it's titled in the Bible. Just remember it. Think about it. Meditate on it. What about the parable of Z- or the, the story of Zacchaeus in the tree? And, he, and Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm going to come to your house today. And you begin to think about these stories. And if you can't remember them, just open up the Bible and begin to read through it and meditate on it and think about it at, in, the be- in your bed. This is showing ourselves approved to know the gospel. And the more that you meditate on the gospel, the more it becomes part of who you are. And then when it comes time to preach the gospel, you're ready to preach the gospel because it's inside of you. Evangelism isn't something that you have to do, it's who you are. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Come on. Neither did they light a lamp and place it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand. Here's a little review because I've been here a few times. I was in an airplane. God spoke to me. Stand up on the airplane. Read Matthew 5 out loud on the airplane. You guys remember this story? Slow obedience is disobedience. I did it. It came out. Neither did they light a lamp and place it under a basket of fear. It doesn't say fear, but it came out fear. And God spoke to me, he said, tell the church everywhere that you go that the main basket that the church is putting their light under is a basket of fear. Then tell them that there's a, there's a cost to putting your light under a basket of fear. People's lives are at stake. The number one commandment in scripture is do not fear. As far as um, numeric commandment we know that the number one commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart all of your mind say all All. that doesn't mean some 50 percent 99 percent it means 100 percent of your heart and if you love God with all of your heart then out of the abundance of your heart your mouth will speak if we love God with all of our heart then evangelism isn't something we have to do it's who we are it's, it's, it's the overflow. This is the purest form of evangelism. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Come on. 
Do you believe? Come on. I believed in my heart, therefore I what? I speak. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? By the word of God. But how can they hear unless somebody preaches? That's Romans 10. The great commission is not the great suggestion. It is the commandment of God. He said that there's a cost to putting your light under a basket of fear. And then it reminded me of a story that happened just prior to that where a couple was screaming and yelling at each other outside of a coffee uh, cafe. Um, we were there drinking liquid heaven in a, in a cup. We weren't there to do outreach. We were there just to drink coffee. And we step out, we see the argument. You guys remember the story. I'm just doing this for review for those who haven't been with me or haven't heard me speak before. And um, I see the couple screaming and yelling. I walk up to the, to the car. I knock on the window. The guy is big, tattoo, skin, head, muscles upon muscles. And, and he was mad at her. Now he's mad at me. And I feel fear. Notice I said I felt fear. I didn't say I, I was afraid or I am afraid. You can't be afraid. You're a child of God. It's not who you are. You might feel fear, but it's not who you are. The Bible says you have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear. Instead, you've been given the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Daddy! You've not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Both places, the Bible describes fear as a spirit that you haven't been given. It's a spirit. Chris Valentin says it this way, the dogs of doom bark the loudest at the door of your destiny. Just as he could say it. But oftentimes fear is an invitation. So I knock on the window. I don't know what I'm going to say. The dude's like, what? I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to say. Oftentimes, if you want to uh, live a supernatural life, you got to put yourself in a position where if God doesn't show up, it ain't going to turn out very good. <laughs> How many people would say that you're weak in evangelism? Come on, let's be honest. You qualify. If you think that you're strong, you're disqualified in your own strength. Come on. It's in your weakness that his strength is made perfect. You can do nothing. What did Jesus say? You can do a little bit of things on your own. John 15, you can do nothing apart from me. Abide in me and you will bear fruit. We can do nothing apart from him. It's not our strength, it's his strength. If we're strong, it's because Christ lives in us. Come on. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say to this guy. God, 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 you got to speak to me. If you don't speak to me, I'm going to make it up. Sometimes you think you're making it up, but you're not making it up because you've been given the mind of Christ. And so when you activate love, love never fails. This is the first principle that I teach people about prophecy. We prophesy according to the measure of our faith. I believe that I hear God because I'm a child of God. What father doesn't speak to his child? You were created. You're a divine design. You were hardwired to hear God. Say, I can hear God. I was designed to hear God. You're not like the only one in all of the earth who can't hear God. You too can hear God. And if you just make the simple shift that I'm hearing God most of the time and sometimes it's me, rather than maybe 
I'm hearing God, but it's probably just me. Just make that simple shift. You'll realize you're hearing God more than you think you are. Come on. And even if you get it wrong, it's okay. It just reminds you it's not about you anyway. And so I'm like, God, 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 I'm not, I don't know what to say. God, you got to speak. You got to tell me something. The whole time I'm feeling fear, but I'm not submitting to fear because it's not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Love cast out all fear. Love is compelling me because I saw a problem. Husband and wife screaming and yelling at each other. I didn't feel tingling. I didn't feel electricity. I didn't hear an audible voice say, hey, go talk to those people. I saw somebody arguing. I saw a problem. Anybody see any problems in the earth right now? Guess what? The problem that you see is your assignment. If you take personal responsibility, God will give you the authority to be the answer. <laughs> so I walked up, knocked on the door, rolled down the window. I stalled while I was waiting. I hear the Lord, slight voice, ask him about his daughter. I ask him about his daughter. And then I get the more. Sometimes you think all of it's going to come at one time, but sometimes it comes when you just step out with what you got, he'll give you the more. I ask him about his daughter, and I tell him, listen, I'm a Christian. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I know that you're in an argument, but I felt compelled to ask you about your daughter and to tell you that you're, you're important to her life. Simple word, obvious, right, if he has a daughter. The dude starts weeping and crying uncontrollably. And I on the inside went, yes. <laughs> She's weeping. He's weeping. They can't talk. They come out of it. They say, today we were going to commit couple suicide. There's a cost to putting your light under a basket of fear. People's lives are at stake. I share my testimony. Instead of committing suicide, they give their life to Christ. I don't know if you heard that or not. My friend Tom, courage inspires courage. He sees somebody in the parking lot, chases him across the parking lot, looking for the first moving target in the parking lot. He sees this one dude, chases him, taps him on the shoulder. The guy's like, what? What do you want? My friend Tom doesn't know what he's going to say. Here's the key. If you don't know what you're going to say, tell a testimony. You're locked and loaded all the time. Why? Why are you locked and loaded with testimonies in the gospel all the time? Because you're thinking about it in your bed before you go to sleep. Because you're meditating on it. You're thinking about God. You're loving God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. Anybody ever been in love before? You can't quit thinking about the person that you're in love with. So it's not something you have to do. It's not something you have to conjure up. It's out of the overflow. Come on. I'm locked and loaded with the testimony at all times. So if I draw a blank, I just tell the testimony. And it doesn't have to be how I got saved. It can be how God provided for me last month, how God provided for me last year, how I saw God heal somebody at Kingdom Life Church. Come on. How, how, whatever you've seen God do in your journey is a testimony, and the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So as you testify, you create an atmosphere for God to do it again. So my friend Tom has no idea what he's going to say. So he says, you'll never believe what just happened over there. Tells the guy the story. The guy starts weeping and crying. He says, I was on my way to kill myself. You can't make this stuff up. Tom leads him to the Lord. And the guy doesn't get 
doesn't, doesn't commit suicide. Listen, there's a cost to putting your light under a basket of fear. In this season, I feel like God is putting his finger, and I've been saying this, on the compromise within the church because compromise is stealing the confidence within the church. And I feel like that God wants to eliminate the idols of our life. And, and I know I've spoken this before, but I feel like to emphasize it again because sometimes these things can be an idol. Sometimes the news can be an idol and we're wondering why we're full of anxiety and fear instead of faith and hope. And it's because we're feeding ourselves on what the devil's doing in the earth more than what we're feeding our spirit on what God is doing in the earth. We're not focusing say focus. focus focus is my word for you focus turn your bibles to second corinthians chapter 5 looking unto the author and the finisher of our faith the book of hebrews says we're not going to lose heart we're going to look at the author and the finisher of our faith unless we become discouraged I don't want you to become discouraged. I want you to have courage. I want you to have boldness. And it comes from looking upon Jesus. The religious people of the, of the day in the book of Acts are threatening Peter and John, telling them, don't talk about Jesus. We're going to beat you. We're going to hurt you. You know that we already killed Jesus. What did Peter and John respond? They said, you tell us whether it's better to listen to you or to God, but we can't help ourselves. Say, I can't help myself. This is the pure form of evangelism. I can't help myself but to talk about Jesus. And it says that when they saw the boldness of the disciples, they had realized they had been with Jesus. The evidence that you are with Jesus is boldness. Come on. I believe that God is putting his finger on unbelief because we treat unbelief as though it's an acceptable sin. But it is sin. I believe it's the root of all sin. I believe Eve originally sinned not because she got the apple. It happened before that. Or whatever, the fruit, the fig, whatever you think the, the, it was. Or maybe it's medicine, you know, whatever. <laughs> I believe it happened before that. She had unbelief in her heart. She didn't believe that God was good. She didn't believe that God loved her. How do I know that? The devil said to her, listen, he just knows that in the day that you eat that, you'll be like him. In other words, he's withholding something good from you. Love always has the highest and best for what it's pointed at. Love would never withhold good from what it's pointed at. God's love is pointed at us. In order for her to believe the enemy's lie, she first had to believe that God didn't love her, that God didn't, wasn't good. And in her unbelief, she sinned. The book of Hebrews says, beware lest you have an evil heart of unbelief. Say heart. Watch over your heart above all things, for out of it flow the issues of life. Remember, I just said, as a man thinketh in his heart, out of the abundance of his heart, this thing is a heart issue. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you shall be saved. This thing is a heart issue. Hebrews says, beware lest you have an evil heart of unbelief, and like the children of Israel, you provoke God to anger. 
What did he get angry about? The fact that they didn't enter the rest of God. He has sat down and you are seated with him in heavenly places. Come on. Unbelief has us striving for the love of God rather than living from the love of God. If we believe the gospel, if we're meditating on the gospel, if we meditate on the simplicity of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and you begin to believe what the gospels say, if you begin to believe the narrative from Genesis to Revelations, which is all about Jesus, there's nothing in the Bible that isn't about Jesus, and you start looking for the cross, you start looking for Jesus, and you start thinking on those things, and you start believing those things, before you know it, you receive him as your Savior, and you know that you're a child of God. I am an accepted, chosen child of God. I am not afraid of rejection because I can't be rejected. I've already been accepted. Come on, some of you are getting this. I'm not sure... All right, let's say focus again. Come on. Verse 14, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. Who died? All. Say, I died. My, love, my life is not my own. You died. It ain't about you. People say, hey, I'm not, I'm not good in evangelism. I'm kind of more of like a, like a pastor. I'm more kind of like a counselor. Like I'm more kind of like a teacher. I'm more, you know, apostolic. I'm more like prophetic, you know, I, I, I. I'm, I'm, I'm shy. Number one, I don't believe in shyness. I, I think that shyness is fear masquerading as a personality type. I'm introverted. You're extroverted. You know, matter of fact, I'm not actually introverted. People don't, I mean, extroverted. People don't know this about me, but I'm actually an intra extrovert. I recharge by being alone. But that's another story, another topic. But they say, I, 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 all these excuses of why we don't share the gospel. But John 14, Jesus said, if you love me, then you'll obey my commandments. So the fruit of us loving God is that we obey God and he's the one who said go into all the world and preach the gospel. These signs shall follow those who believe, not just these signs shall follow the apostles or the evangelists or the one with the microphone. You're called to be a witness. There's no such thing as a gift of evangelism. It just means that I'm an if I'm an evangelist, it's for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. You're called to do evangelism, every one of us. And if we'll do that, then we'll see kingdom life come to America. Listen, Jesus said the kingdom doesn't come with observation like it's over there or over there, but it's inside of you. It's when the king is dominating our heart, our emotions, our mind, our desires, our what we do, what we don't do, where we give our money, where we don't give our money, where we spend our time, where we don't spend our time, what we think about, what we meditate on. Come on, this is the kingdom of God. It's internal, then becomes external. What the kingdom in you becomes outside of you. But the kingdom does not come unless people get born again. I don't care how much you strategize, the kingdom's not coming to San Antonio unless people get born again, and people aren't getting born again unless we start preaching the gospel. I'm telling you, if just 10 people would get this and preach the gospel to one person a day for 90 days, 900 people would hear the gospel in 90 days. If 10% get saved, 90 people would get saved every 90 days, and, and, and this church would grow by 90 people every 90 days. Not like... Musical chairs, 
Not because they like your worship better or your children ministry better and it's Christians jumping churches, but actually new believers coming into the house of God because they have heard the gospel and they get, and they get saved. Come on. All right, so he died. One died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Not a Marxist. Not a racist. Not somebody who has a different political belief than you. You don't have permission to regard anyone according to the flesh. If you're in Christ, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What is your ministry? Focus. Say focus. What's your ministry? Focus. The enemy's trying to distract the church. He's trying to bait us into a fight to fight the right fight in the wrong way. There is a fight. But we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And the way that we win the fight isn't the way that the world is fighting the fight. Focus. What is your mission? What is the great commission? Preach the gospel. Make disciples. Are you tired of racism? Are you tired of division? Are you tired of economic chaos? Anybody tired of war? Focus. Don't be distracted. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation, and this is what it is. He's going to describe it for us. That is that God the Father was in Christ by his Holy Spirit reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation goes on to talk about us being ambassadors pleading be reconciled to God I'm telling you you will come alive as you obey the word of God and follow the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, the enemies come to seek, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you would have life and have it in abundance. I'm the way. Follow me. Anyone who wants to follow me must take up their cross to follow me. You want to save your life? you got to lose your life. For if you try to save your life, you will lose your life. But if you lose your life for my sake, then you'll find your life. This is the simple gospel we lay down our life and therefore now everything that we do is focused on this one mission to build the kingdom of God so that people get reconciled to the father come on
This is the hope that we have. The world's looking for hope right now. God doesn't want 2020 to be known as the year of COVID-19 or the year of racial division and, and chaos. God wants the year of 2020 to be known as the year of harvest, the year of souls. There was 20 stadium events that I was aware of where guys were heard, including myself, rent a stadium in 2020. And then now we're said we're not supposed to gather in groups probably as this big. Pretty difficult to gather in stadiums when the mayor's like, you're not even allowed to gather at all. But I still have hope 2020 isn't over yet. And not only that, I'm not losing focus on what I'm called to. Because if anything, people are more aware of the brevity of life. Billy Graham said the thing that surprised him the most was how brief life was. You're here today and gone tomorrow. You're like the grass of the field. People are aware of that now. So this is what we began to do. We called an audible. I began to preach the gospel every day online. And I do it in the grocery store and anywhere else where I'm allowed to go. I mean, they, for some reason, they let me go to Walmart. <laughs> but I began to preach the gospel intentionally five days a week. My friend Sammy has done the same thing, Voice of Revival Ministry. Between the two of us, we've seen over 575 people make decisions to follow Christ since April. Yeah. Say it's harvest time. Reconciling the world to himself. Turning your Bibles to Luke 15. I believe that we're going to see the greatest homecoming and it's already started. Prodigals coming home. I believe we're getting ready to see the greatest harvest that we've ever seen. People being saved in the church who've been going to church the whole time, but they don't know the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 7, many will come to me in that day, talking about the day of judgment. See, there's appointed a day for every person to die, and right after that comes the judgment. It could be today, it could be tomorrow. You don't know when your life's going to be required of you. I was 16 years old, I got in a car accident, thrown out of the back windshield of the car, 80 yards away from the car, and I could have died that day in my sins and been eternally separated from God because I didn't know God. And yet God had mercy on me in that moment. And I survived and I got saved when I was 18 years old. No one knows the day or hour that their life is going to be required of them. And after that comes the judgment. And Jesus said, many will come to me in that day, talking about the day of judgment, and they'll say, Lord, Lord, with their lips. But I'll say to them, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, for I never knew you. So it's possible to say, Lord, Lord, with your lips and not know the Lord. Salvation isn't just that we say, Lord, Lord. Salvation is, do you know God? Do you know him? Jesus said, this is eternal life, that you would know the Father and the Son whom he sent. John 10 says, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and they know me. You can't know anyone that we're not communicating with. The basis of relationship is communication, and yet you are hardwired to hear God. We talked about that. So not only can he speak to you, but you can speak to him and you can interact. And this is how we know the Lord, by hearing his voice and following him. Come on. So I've been asking people all over the planet 
Do you know God? This is my opening line. You want some openers? Hey, can I pray for you? That's easy. Hey, Jesus loves you. Have a good day with a smile on your face. Do you know that? Do you believe it in your heart? My seven-year-old has been talking to every single person that moves about Jesus lately. This is what he says. We go to a restaurant. We've been traveling. We traveled from Virginia all the way to um, Austin in a van with four kids, nine, seven, three, and one. That's supernatural right there. We eat at a lot of restaurants. My son, uh, as soon as the waitress comes up, I got to beat him or he'll beat me. He says immediately, do you know that Jesus Christ loves you? Excuse me? I said, do you know that Jesus Christ loves you? Oh, thank you. That's so sweet of you. No, do you believe it in your heart? It's pretty easy to talk about Jesus after your seven-year-old does that. You can do that. I start asking, hey, do you know the Lord? Can I ask you a question? Do you know the Lord? Do you know Jesus? Yeah, 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 I've been knowing Jesus. How do you know Jesus? How long have you been knowing him? How do you know him? What do you mean? I, I mean, I grew up in church. I, went, I, I grew up around church, man. I, I grew up in Virginia where you can throw a rock and hit three churches by accident. Doesn't mean you know Jesus. I knew a lot about Jesus. Big difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. Let me tell you how you can know Jesus. And then I share a testimony of how he speaks to me and how it's lived out. See, because I'm locked and loaded with testimonies because I'm thinking about it all the time in my bed. A sanctified imagination is a powerful tool in the hand of the Holy Spirit. I'll go to bed listening to Billy Graham or Reinhard Bonnke just because I want to be great at presenting the gospel. I want to memorize. I want to think about the stories that I can present the gospel to people and, and lead them to a place of decision, not just heal them, not just prophesy over them, not just tickle their ears and make them feel good about themselves, but I actually want them to come to a place where they have to make a decision. Either they're going to be in the driver's seat of their life or Jesus is. Come on. I believe that we're coming into a time where there's, the prodigals are coming home. But we have, to know the, we have to know the gospel. We have to meditate on the gospel. We have to love the gospel. We have to know the gospel inside and out. We have to know what we're supposed to be communicating. Jesus said, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. I grew up, like I said, in Virginia. My parents were divorced when I was two years old. My dad, at that point, I only got to see him every other weekend. He became a truck driver, so sometimes I wouldn't get to see him but once a month. He was my hero. He played football with me in the mud. I would go over there on the weekends. I remember I had a blast. He taught me how to work on his old Dodge pickup trucks, and I was a daddy's boy. I loved my dad, but I didn't get to see him very often. We were poor because he, he was the first to, to get a divorce in his family, and I uh, had to pay child support on top of everything else. And he couldn't pay his bills. I remember that because I could see my breath in the, in the house one weekend. And, and, and because he couldn't pay the electric bill. And I remember he got me and my brother out, brought us onto the couch and made a tent on the couch. And for us as little kids, we were camping. Kids are flexible, man. I mean, they can overcome a lot of stuff. We didn't even know the difference. But I can't imagine the shame that he was in. He couldn't provide for his own family. He was the first to be divorced. And, um, but I remember in the morning, he got us up and he put our shoulders together. And he said, look me in the eyes, boys. If you have faith in Jesus, you could do anything in this world. So he had a faith. He just didn't know what he didn't know. He was only walking in the light that he had. 
So everything I'm going to say isn't to shame my dad is what I'm trying to say. He was only walking in the light that he had. But I still grew up without a dad in my life. My mom was codependent. We had a bunch of different father figures in our life. Codependency means that she was attracted to people she can fix or that she thought she could fix. How many people know that's not a good plan? So we had a rotating door of fathers in and out of my life. I played football. They accepted me as their son during the football season. So I felt anyway. But after they broke up, it was no longer, they weren't in my life anymore. So as a little boy, you can imagine the desire of my heart was to hear and be around a dad who was proud of me. I'm getting MVPs and accolades for football and sports and all this kind of stuff. But really, I just want my dad around. I remember looking up into the stands while I'm playing football, winning the, literally I was going to win the most valuable player in a Super Bowl type setting of Pop Warner or high school football, I can't remember which one it was, looking up into the stands hoping my dad was going to show up at halftime to watch me and he never showed. The deep desire in my heart, I remember that. I believe that we're growing up in a generation that is the most fatherless generation to ever live on the planet. And there's a desire in every human being to be known by the Father and that the Father would affirm them. I remember when my wife got pregnant with our first daughter. We lived in Redding, California, and it was not really our plan to get pregnant at the time. Like we got married and we thought we are, my wife's a planner, she's Canadian. And she said, you know, I'm going to plan and, and we're not going to get pregnant for five years. And after the five years, like we'll just kind of travel and be together and stuff. And after the five years, then maybe we'll get pregnant. And how many people know man plans his ways, but God directs his steps. We lasted about a year and a half. Bam, we're pregnant. I guess we had something to do with it. We just weren't planning it. And um, I remember uh, we thought we were going to have a boy first. And uh, my plan was I was going to train him to fight so that his sister couldn't date anybody in high school. I mean, it's a good plan, right? I thought it was. And, um, but um, I remember uh, we found out that it was going to be a girl. At first, they said it was a boy. For seven months, we thought it was a boy. The first ultrasound, it was a boy. It was a 2D ultrasound, the one that you got to kind of guess which one's which, like, and you got to believe by faith what the doctor's telling you. Anybody ever seen those ultrasounds, black and white ones? Then there's the 4D ones where you can see their face, their ears, their eyes, their nose. Oh, my gosh, it got my ears. It's amazing. We saw that one, and she's like, you know what the sex of the baby is? I'm like, yeah, it's a boy. She said, hold on. She leaves. She comes back with the contract. He says, sir, can you sign this contract? I said, what for? She says, so I can release the sex of the baby. I, I said, uh, I already know what it is. She said, just sign the contract. <laughs> I signed it. She turns the t TV around, definitely a girl, girl parts in the 4D. I remember I used to sing over her in her mother's womb. This song, Lord, you are more precious than silver. You guys know that song? More costly than gold, more beautiful than diamonds, and nothing I desire compares to you. And the reason I did that is because when I got saved, two years prior to me getting saved, I punched this dude in the face at a soccer game while I was trying to stay out of trouble. See, when you don't know the Lord and you're trying to stay out of trouble, trouble will find you. 
and somehow I got into this fight at a soccer game. I punched this dude in the face and his girlfriend called the cops on me and I had to go back to jail. It was really bad. And um, two years later, I get radically saved. God calls me to go to a Baptist church. I walk in my first Bible study. After the Bible study, a girl walks up to me with blonde hair. She says, hey, Richie, were you at a soccer game and you punched this dude in the face? I'm like, man, this girl has blonde hair. That girl has blonde hair. Oh my gosh, I got so embarrassed. He said, don't, don't worry about it, man. I started praying for your soul that day. And that girl's name was Catherine Oder. And I remember she took we, me and her and another young man named Andrew. We went out to this private beach and we were looking at the stars glistening off of the James River in Newport News, Virginia. It was just magnificent watching the, just the, the beauty of creation. And if you heard the rest of my testimony of how I got saved, you would know it was the sunrise and the sunset that led me to the Lord eventually. Day into day utter speech, night into night knowledge. The sun is like a bridegroom coming out of its chamber, running its race from one end of heaven to the other end, nothing hidden from its heat. That's Psalm 19. And it's talking about creation testifying to who God is. And that's how I got saved in that moment. And so when I was looking at the beauty of creation, she just began to acapella sing, Lord, you are more precious. And as she began to sing that is the first time I felt, anybody feel the presence of God tonight when we were singing? She began to sing that and I began to feel the presence of God. The Bible says, taste and see that God is good. He doesn't want you just to think it here. He wants you to experience his kiss, experience his presence. Taste and see, physically experience the love of God. And that's where I'm going tonight. I believe that God the Father wants to hug you tonight. I believe he wants to kiss you tonight. I believe he wants to do that because I believe that if you'll have an encounter with the love of God, then you'll become an encounter with the love of God. See, I could talk about you should do evangelism. You can be, you should be, uh, you, you should obey his commandments. You should, all this kind of stuff. And you'll go away from here as an evangelist at coming in and you'll feel beat up. Oh, man, I guess I'm not a good Christian. Anybody ever felt that way? And you'll try really hard. Oh, I'm going to try to preach the gospel. And it doesn't last very long. But 1 John 4 says we love him because he first loved us. A lack of evangelism in our life is the evidence of a receiving problem. I believe that the father wants to kiss orphans all over the body of Christ who even though, Luke 15, they're in the father's house the whole time and they have access to all that he has, they don't know it. So I'd sing this song I felt the presence of God. She began to sing it. I felt the presence of God. And from that day forward, if I ever got afraid, I remember I, I flew to Fiji and I had my first opportunity to preach to a school of ministry. And they asked me to prophesy all over these people. And I'm like, man, I'm barely saved for like a year. I, I'm, a, I'm afraid. Like, I don't, what if God doesn't show up? What if I get it wrong? And what I would do is I would just begin to sing that song again. Because it would recalibrate me to the presence of God. And in his presence is fullness of joy. And in his presence is the truth. Come on. If you find yourself getting afraid, remember the song that you find his presence. Remember the times. Remember, there's this thing about remembering. Do you, do you get what God's trying to say tonight? Remember your history with God. 
Meditate on your history of God and recalibrate your head, recalibrate your heart, recalibrate your soul. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Don't be like the world. Don't build your house on anything but the rock. There's a lot of Christians being swayed to and from like a, like a wave of the sea right now. But God says, stand firm on the rock. And sometimes we have to sing to remember we're on the rock. We're seated in heavenly places. And so I would sing. And so when we got pregnant, or when my wife got pregnant, I began to sing over the baby in the womb because I wanted the baby to experience the presence of God even in the womb. I wanted her to grow up knowing the presence of God. And what I didn't realize is that at a certain point in time when the baby's in the womb, it develops the ability to hear. So at some point in time, the baby can begin to hear my voice singing the song of his presence. So then my wife got a hold of a book called Supernatural Pregnancy. Anybody ever know about that book? The premise of the book is pain with childbirth came at um, this, the original sin in the garden. And that Jesus became a curse on the cross and he bore the curse, and so therefore there should be no pain in childbirth. If, man, I believe that, man. That was like, that seems like good theology. How many people know you can believe something to be true and uh, not have that experience? God bless you if you had that experience. My wife got that book, and I mean, I'm talking about she carried it around more than she carried the Bible around. I mean, she would preach to you about what was in the supernatural childbirth book. And she would be like, listen... If, um, if I start getting into fear, I want you to put on the Kim Walker CD so that I can remember his presence and not get into fear. And I'm like, all right. And she's like, and, uh, and you can scratch my back and you can, you know, like tell me, you know, and, and help me to focus and, and not to be afraid and all this kind of stuff. She knew the book, man. I remember it. And we were going into the hospital believing she's going to have a supernatural pregnancy. We even have a video when her water broke and she wasn't feeling any pain yet. And we were watching a movie and she was like, oh, we're going to have the baby in a few hours. We have the video. It's amazing. 30 hours later. It's like crazy and pain and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, hey, you want me to put the Kim Walker on? No, I don't want you to put the Kim Walker on. Don't touch me. Wild, wild, messy. Listen, if now maybe that not be your experience, but I'm just telling you my experience, all right? It was wild. Baby comes out, she's like, looking all around, like trying to look around. The eyes are closed, you know, she's screaming, you know, she's cold. I'm, you know, probably confused. I, you know, it's pretty tr crazy 28 hours of her life, you know. And uh, the doctors carry her over to this like little heating bed. I make sure my wife's still alive and she's good and, and everything. And I go over to this bed and the baby's like, ah, and they're cleaning her off. And I lean in and I just start singing, Lord, you are. And the moment I started singing, she quit crying. She recognized the voice that had been singing over her since she was in her mother's womb and she stopped crying and she strained her little neck over and she strained her eyes. It's the first time she's going to open her eyes in the world. And there she sees the voice and the face of her father eye to eye. And I can't explain to you the feeling I felt in that moment. 
Bible says, I pray that you would know the love of God that goes beyond understanding. In that moment, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, I'll die for this child. She can do nothing for me except poop, eat, and sleep, and I'll die for this child. (laughs) The Father's been singing over you. Psalm 139, he knits you in your mother's womb. His thoughts for you are more than the sand on the seashore, more than the stars that are in the heavens. I got radically born again. And I started to sing to the Lord a new song. I went to my mother's house. She had moved into a condo. It oversaw the Chesapeake Bay. And there was a lightning storm that night. She hadn't moved any of her furniture in. She didn't even have a radio. And I was just saved maybe a couple months. And I used to listen to K-Love a lot. Like that was my jam. But I didn't even have a a radio to listen to K-Love. And so I'm like, I don't know what to do. But I'm watching this lightning storm. And the lightning was striking the water. And it was causing like a spider web to go off all over the water. And and I remember um, just being in awe of the power of God. And I started to sing a new song. We can get the worship team to come up here. I think I'm gonna shift after this story into some ministry. I saw this this amazing lightning storm and I began to, to just be in awe of God and I started to sing the new song of the Lord. I just started singing a song out of the abundance of my heart. I didn't even know what, I, what to sing, but I just started singing how much I loved him. And as I began to sing out of my heart, before you knew it, the presence of God began to rush into the room like waves. Just waves and waves of God's presence. I began to sing and sing. And I was going to a Baptist church, and I didn't teach you about this, where I was going to a church at the time. But all of a sudden, the presence and the power of God came so strong in the room, I couldn't stand up anymore. So I laid down on the ground. And again, the waves of God's presence just kept moving in and in and to the point where it was like somebody was putting 10,000 pounds on me. It was like somebody had a, a weight resting on my chest. And I remember I tried to get up and I couldn't get up, but it just felt so good just under the presence of God. And I was singing, and before you knew it, I ran out of words, and I just began to sing just sounds coming out of my mouth. I didn't realize it, but I was singing in tongues. I was singing in another language. I was singing in the spirit. I thought I was on the ground for maybe 20 minutes. I looked up, I was on the ground for two hours, lost in the presence of God. I'm weeping and crying already. I pull myself into the chair and I hear a voice as clear as I'm talking to you right now. It wasn't audible, but it was as clear as I'm talking to you right now in my spirit. And it was the voice of the father. He said, son, I'm proud of you. Keep going. I can't explain to you what that did to my heart. All I wanted was to hear the voice of Father say he's proud of me. When somebody else tells you that that God loves you and that they're proud of you, that's one thing. But when you hear the voice of the Father yourself, say, son, daughter, I'm proud of you. 
I love you. I just began to weep and weep and weep and weep and weep and cry. Because I needed to hear that father's voice. See, this story of the prodigal son in John 15, you see there's a son who goes to his father and he says, give me my inheritance now. The father's good, he gives him his inheritance. And this son thought that he had to party away from his father. He didn't realize he could party with his father. So he takes his inheritance Even though he was in the father's house, he doesn't realize all that his father had. And he takes it and he spends it on prodigal living, drinking, partying, sleeping around, you name it. He's spending it. He spends it all and a famine arises in the land and he gets hungry. I believe that there are people in our nation right now who are getting hungry. They're going to get hungry right now. They're hungering for something. They're hungering to come home. They don't even know where home is, but they were created by God in their mother's womb. He knit them in their mother's womb. Their home is in God and he wants to live in them and he wants them to live in him. And they're beginning to hunger for the father's house and they don't know the way to the father's house, but you are the way to the father's house. You are the gate by which heaven comes to earth. The kingdom is inside of you. You know the king. You know the way. You can point to the way. See, the spirit of God was inside of Jesus Christ reconciling the world to himself and now he is inside of you reconciling the world to himself. Do you know the father? See, because there was disciples that were with Jesus for three years with Jesus and and they said show us the father and Jesus said if you've been with me this whole time and you don't know that I'm in the father and the father's with me come on look at me if you've seen me then you've seen the father John 17 he said I pray that they would be one that you would be one in me and I'd be one in you and they would be one in each other and they would be one in us and that that because of their oneness the world would know that I was sent from the father God, we don't want division, Father. Father, we sing a song. Abba, Daddy, can you hear the voice of your father saying, Come home? There's a home coming. I hear it. The son got hungry. He said, I'm going to go. Try to get a job. Let me feed the pigs. He looked at the pig's food and he thought, man, I I would eat this food, this pig food. And he thought to himself, he came to himself. There's a generation that's coming to themselves and they're realizing, man, in my father's house, even the servants eat better. He said, I'm going to go to the father and I'm going to ask him if I could just be a servant. I'm not even worthy to be a son. He comes, he doesn't know the father's been waiting for him. Waiting for him to come home. The father God is way better than you think he is. He's merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in mercy. 
He loves you because He loves you because He loves you because He loves you. Just 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 because He loves you. He's not surprised by you. He loves you because He loves you. He's always going to love you and there's nothing you can do about it. And the father loves his son so much, he's waiting for him to come home. And he sees him from a distance, the Bible says. This is what Jesus is saying. He sees him from a distance, and he's got the ring and the robe ready. And he runs out to his son. And he puts the ring and the robe on him, and his son is saying, I don't deserve it. And he's like, be quiet. Here's your robe. Here's your ring. Kill the fatted lamb. My son who was lost is found. My son who is dead is alive. And they start to throw a party. See, the whole thing the boy wanted, he wanted his inheritance to party, not realizing the father has the best party. When you come home to the father's house, you realize your father is not a cosmic buzzkill trying to steal all your joy away. He's a heavenly father and he knows what gives you real lasting joy. So the party's happening, yet there's another lost son. Where's the older brother? Not at the party. Does the father stay in the party? Listen, this was a slap in his father's face. Do you understand that the second son gets mercy, the first son gets justice? This is the Hebrew law. This is why the older brother's mad. The older brother knows he might have to pay for the the younger son's mistakes, he's mad. He's outside, in the, outside of the party, he's mad. The father's like, where's my son? Where's my son? He sees him and he runs out to the lost son. He says, come into the party. He said, this, this son of yours, notice, Notice the older brother. This son of yours took all the inheritance, does whatever he wants, and comes home. And you kill the fatted lamb for him, and you didn't ever kill them for me. See the orphan? How's the father respond? Your brother, not, not my, just my son, your brother See, there's too much of us and them out there right now. We're saved, they're not saved. Do you realize that while you were yet still a sinner, Christ died for you? Have you forgotten that you were once lost, but now you're found? Have you forgotten that you were once in darkness, but now you're in light? Have you forgotten that it's by grace through faith that you're saved and that not of yourselves, but it is the free gift of God that we're saved? Come on, the works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do we not know that your brothers and sisters who are lost are important to your father's heart? That for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that those who believe in him shall not die but have everlasting life have we forgotten the simple gospel that he's dying on the cross as they blindfolded him they punched him in the face they're mocking him they're saying if you're really the son of God tell us who's hitting you and he's silent because he knows I'm going to the cross and as they beaten him they stripped him naked he's bearing our shame on the cross and they're gambling and they're mocking him he says father forgive them they don't know what they're doing 
This is the ministry of reconciliation. This is the spirit inside of them. Not counting their trespasses against them. I'm telling you, church, if you understood the good news, it wouldn't be hard to preach. There's never been a gospel like this. I shall not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm telling you, God wants to pour out his power tonight. He wants to baptize you in the love of the Father tonight. He wants you to have a kiss encounter with him. He wants you to let him kiss you. Song of songs, let him kiss you. The song of all songs, there's never been a better song than this one, starts off with, let him kiss me. For his house is a house of wine. Can you be drunk in the love of God tonight? Stand to your feet. I want you to lift up your hands. I have a three-year-old. When she wants me to pick her up, this is the position. My one-year-old, my three-year-old, this is what she does. I want you to lift up your hands right now. We love him because he first loved us. Father, 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 your word says, Father, your word says, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Father, release the revelation. As the word has been preached, Father, back me up. I have been faithful to preach your word, not my ideas, but your word. Father, and it's my desire that your church experiences your love. And I'm praying, knowing that it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. God, I'm asking God for an outpouring of your spirit tonight, God. For the sake of San Antonio, God. For the sake of Texas. For the sake of our nation, God. Break open the atmosphere, God. Break open this atmosphere. Let us become aware of the angels, God. Let us become aware of how much you love us, God. Release the love of the Father in our midst, God. I want you, I want you, whatever you need to do, I want you to begin to sing. I want you to begin to love on him. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to press in with me. Let's press in a little longer. Let's recognize the moment together they were together with one accord in the upper room and they were praying and then when, it, when they were praying there was a suddenly moment and it was shaken and the place was filled with the wind of God and the fires begin to come upon their head let's come together in one accord for there is a commanded blessing when we're in unity come on let's sing together tonight let's not be in a rush let's put down our own agenda tonight let's not be in a content with just another service. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website at kingdomlifesa.com for more podcasts, updates, and events, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a blessed day.